Welcome to Monday's episode of the Guernsey Daily. I'm Rob Byrne. And I'm Ollie Gyu. We're building up to Guernsey's election by bringing you candidate interviews and updates every weekday. Coming up, you'll hear from Simon Vermeulen, a former hotelier and our first guest from the Guernsey Party. No surprises, he's got a few ideas when it comes to tourism and hospitality. Visit Guernsey's probably served its time, you know, uh, and perhaps the money that is spent running Visit Guernsey and promoting destination marketing for Guernsey could be better spent through the industry itself. More from Simon later, and Rob, you've been to your uh, first real-life hustings, right? Yeah, very exciting. And I was there, Ollie, to ask some tough questions. I wanted to know if you're a holiday destination, what holiday destination would it be and why? There were some interesting answers, among them the moon, Antarctica, and wait for it, even Jersey. Oh, Jersey. Um, (laughs) We're going to be talking about our poll in just a moment uh, as well. And to help us... um, decipher what those holiday destinations might say about the candidates we've been we've enlisted the help of the pod's resident professor and political branding expert chris pitch so ollie a lot's happened since friday's episode let's start with our poll which you put on facebook yeah so we posted it on guernsey people have your say to see uh, who you'd like to hear from on the podcast uh, thank you very much to those of you who took part or contacted us to tell us who you'd like to hear interviewed and at the time of recording this top of the list was mark hellyer who founded the guernsey party and we've also had suggestions to do a party debate on the episode so stay tuned for details about that uh, also top of the list was deputy carl meerveld who's been running uh, perhaps the most interesting campaign um i say that because he's focused a lot on the other candidates uh in particular those seeking re-election from the island's most senior committee uh the policy and resources so yeah it'd be interesting to get his thoughts now we did uh, approach all candidates to see if they wanted to take part in the podcast and not all of them have responded so far Uh, we are listening to the poll uh, and we will be prioritizing the most popular choices which also include richard skipper ross lebrun Adam Martell and Neil Inder. Also popular were Liam McKenna, Deputies Peter Fairbrush and Jonathan Natok, and also Simon Fairclough. Next up, it's Simon Vermeulen. He might be familiar to you as the former co-owner of the Grand Mar Hotel on Guernsey's west coast. And Ollie, he's familiar to you as well, <laughs> as I understand he's also your sister's father-in-law. Yeah, he is. I mean, it's Guernsey, isn't it? You're bound to be related to to some of the people or know some of the people. And uh, it turns out with 118 candidates standing, there are some uh, with connections. We thought it was important to mention, um, but, it, you know, it's just one of those Guernsey things. Yeah. And we started by asking Simon to tell us a little bit about himself. Yes, I'm a, well, a hotelier that um, has a big family on the island. Um, I've got four children, nine grandchildren. I'm married to Candice. Um, so, yes, I, my campaign has kicked off and um, I've been busy posting things on Facebook and putting posters out and picking up printing and talking to other candidates and, and, and my little party, which we've, we've got going on, the Guernsey party too. And what was it about your time as a hotelier which made you decide to now stand for election? Well, of course, during that time, you know, we had lots of dealings um, with the the government on the island, um, 43 years worth, in fact. So I've seen how the states have operated. I've seen some fantastic people in there. And I've seen some fantastic opportunities to improve parts of it as well. Uh, So that's been really helpful. 
But I think the best the best part of that was working with a team of about 50 staff, you know, and um, that was really enjoyable times and helping them, developing the young people in your organisation, building their skills up and getting them to improve. I, I still keep in contact with a load of the old guys and they're all back home now, married, raising children, that sort of thing. So that's that's very important too. What do you make of the way the States of Guernsey has effectively, by insisting on a 14-day quarantine, decided that there'll be almost no tourist season this summer? Hoteliers, I understand, are kind of looking at it, the fact that they're almost facing you know, back-to-back seasons with no customers coming into the island. Yeah, well, of course, things could have been much, much better for the industry. Uh, if you have a look at Jersey, they opened their airport in July um, with testing. But Guernsey is a, a different, you know, it's, it's operated on a, a different wavelength and they're, they're far more cautious of uh, opening up the ports, it would seem, um, to protect uh, the, the population from that that horrible infection so you can't you can't really knock it but it, it's um it's decimated those businesses you know some of the hotels i talked to they they might only be doing five or ten percent of the turnover they would have normally done so it's it's not the best but i think we really should be planning for the future and improving the facilities which we've got dotted dotted around the island if you look at my manifesto you'll see one of the things I want to improve is, you know, the infrastructure. There seems to be a lot of crumbling infrastructure around us. Um, the steps by the aquarium, the hole in the wall at Fermain, the pagoda at Summary Park, you know, it's, it's stick ways. We, we don't seem to be able to mend things anymore or have the appetite or the hunger to uh, keep our island in fine fettle. Not just for the tourists, I think... You know, it's also for the locals to enjoy and the families. When you go around the park, you you really want to go in the Japanese pagoda. You, you don't want to see it all boarded up like it is at the moment. Why do you think there hasn't been that investment? I think it's pure laziness, really, if I'm honest. Um, you know, if we're successful, if I'm successful in, in getting in, you will see things repaired and repaired quickly. So if we're talking about the steps to Marble Beach, for instance... You know, those will be up and repaired pronto. And sorry, how how are you going to do that? So it's just it was just through communication with the relevant states departments, um, doing it in a nice, friendly way, uh, but in a business like time. But there's there's cost to all of that repair work, and obviously um, one of your manifesto pledges is is to reduce the cost of government without reducing frontline services. Um, and it's government expenditure often that goes into this work. How would you um, you know line both of those goals up with one another? Yes, yeah, so in the manifesto, you're quite right. We are talking about slimming down the government costs, but not cutting back on frontline services. So. What we're really about, or what I'm really about, is is making sure that we get economic growth happening on the island. Now, I can see that um, we haven't been following the right procedures, really. If you look at a lot of the things we do over here, it's very expensive. There's a lot of legislation involved. There seems to be too many barriers to progress. So you look at Jersey, perhaps it's um, a little bit more open open for business. You know, the cost of flights, um, if you've got a business in Guernsey, 
cost of flights in Guernsey, Jersey seemed to be able to get them for 40% less generally. And I think it's uh, on the Frontier Economics Plan, they show that it's 60% cheaper uh, to fly Jersey to Gatwick than it is Guernsey to Gatwick. You know, why is that? It's quite a tall order. I mean, it's um, been something that people have been speaking about for, for you know, donkey's years, uh, reducing the cost of uh, flights and travel to and from the island. It always seems that, uh, you know, nothing really moves the needle. Um, the prices stay the same or go up. Orini, um, you know, continues to uh, make losses. So what, what could you do playing your part in the states of Guernsey? How would you move the needle on on, some, on an issue which just hasn't hasn't changed over the years? Well, if we look at 2018, I think we have the lowest passenger arrivals for 20, uh, 20 years. So we then opened up to open skies. Um, so that saw an increase of 17,000 visitors. So that, that's an indication that perhaps, you know, you do want an open skies policy. I'd like to see the low-cost airlines, whoever they might be, if it's EasyJet or British Airways, I'd like to see us provide a runway of suitable length for them and a runway of suitable length for the Orany Jet as well. There is room for Orany to survive and to thrive as well, um, but I don't think it can only just be Orany flying all the routes. I think um, you know the island would then be losing significantly more and it's rumoured to be losing perhaps 50 million this year. Now, that's, um, that's probably more than the states have spent on COVID. So how, how do you keep Orini solvent, or you see Orini as part of that solution when they face increased competition? Because Open Skies has arguably led to increased losses before COVID even came along. Well, I, w- I wouldn't agree that that's the reason for Orini producing those losses. What, what would be the reason? Well, we'd have to have a good look at Orinie, but um, there's an awful lot of staff there. There's an awful lot of pilots. There's an awful lot of different types of aircraft. You know, we haven't just got one type of Dornier aircraft. We've got several different ones. Orinie recently bought three new aeroplanes with fog-busting goggles for the pilots to wear. It turns out pilots putting goggles on in a cockpit doesn't help with their periphery vision. So it's now a heads-up display with the new aircraft that are now being made, and we're left with this redundant technology. So, you know, we've got to be, it's not just me, but, you know, if I look at my proven track record in business, we we didn't make too, too many mistakes. But if you look at perhaps Orany, there's there's been a lot of own goals scored there, glorious overhead kick own goals, really. You know, I mean, not flying to Jersey, been in Dinard, getting rid of the London City route, um, and generally um, perhaps poor management decisions. Are the states to blame on that? They haven't really given Orania a clear steer on what they expect them to do. I certainly, and, and the rest of the island, used to love Orania uh, when it flew little Trilanders back and forth to Jersey, Alderney, a bit like a taxi service, one every 15 minutes. But those days seem to have gone. And I think we, we bought bought the airline to really service Gatwick. Then we bought the jet, and it turns out the jet needed super-duper engines because of our runway length was overly short. 
And yeah, I think the engine's now worn out. We're operating loan loan engines on it, and that's at a, quite a high cost. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure Rini would would point to the direction that they get from the states of Guernsey. I mean, they often do in their defence. Um, can I move on to a, a another? We've had a question in from Jennifer Strachan. Hi, my name is Jennifer Strachan. I'd like to ask you about the economy and your, your views on the priorities for the state's economic vision. Specifically, what would your top priorities be for supporting economic development in Guernsey? And would you be interested in being a member of the Economic Development Committee? And if so, tell me a little bit more about it. I certainly would be interested in joining that Economic Development Committee. But, you know, probably our finance sector is the the engine room of our economy in Guernsey. And um, like I said, we need good connectivity to help that industry. We need to create policies and products that can make us a competitive jurisdiction. So I don't want to over-regulate finance. And... There are sort of words out there that perhaps that's that's the way it's going, you know. So we've got to look after number one, really. We've got to look after that finance industry that we mustn't kill the goose that lays the golden egg because that contributes more than anything towards us running our hospitals and our police force and our services on the island. You know, we've talked about introducing a, a, a GST, a general sales tax, my goodness, I couldn't think of anything worse. You know, if this was introduced, and I think the previous states said that was one of their options, as well as raising TRP and increasing the overall rate of taxation, that would really be the end. You know, it's going to affect people on low incomes that are struggling already to buy food. You know, your food's going to cost more. So that's um, that's a big no-no. We need to keep our taxes low and be internationally competitive. That's really important that we are competitive because I'm hearing that we're losing certain amount of business to Jersey and other domains and we don't want that we want to keep the business we've got here and build on that if possible so we do have to be we do have to be proactive on that we can't just sit on our hands and expect it all to happen and everybody else to do it we've got to create the environment there that uh, these businesses can actually thrive in. And can I pick you up on one of those points, Simon? You talked about the threat of over-regulation and one of your manifesto points is a review of the Guernsey Financial Services Commission. Is that why you think there's an issue there? Well, you know, I'm not an expert on finance, I'll, I'll be perfectly frank, but I do know a lot of finances on the island. It doesn't seem to be that popular and perhaps it's it's well overdue for a review you know can we do things better is it overregulated? is it choking business these are important things that, that have to be looked at and have to be have to be measured yeah and I'm, I'm sure you know they would say that uh, regulation is is key to protecting the uh, reputation of the industry um can i also just go on to you did also mention a review of Visit Guernsey. Again, I'm going to ask you the same question. I think we'll see this in a lot of manifestos. It's all well and good calling for a review. What's the issue? What are your solutions? Well, um, it's industry-led again, really. Uh, I think through my discussions with the the tourist industry and, and individuals and groups within that, Visit Guernsey has probably served its time, you know. Uh, it's a fast-moving industry out there. And, and times are changing. And perhaps, you know, the solution, the money that is spent running 
visit Guernsey and promoting destination marketing for Guernsey could be better spent through the industry itself. So that would be more private-public relationship. But I have to stress here, the states haven't been too good at those sorts of um, relationships. You know, they seem to want to be the dominant partner all the time. They seem to want to be very, very forceful. And of course, if you're dealing with, say, eight, eight hoteliers who know the industry inside out, I'm pretty sure, well, I'm certain, in fact, the state's members you're dealing with don't quite know as much of the industry as those professionals do. So we've seen that happen in Arza City and Cornwall. That's how that's promoted. And they seem to get more bang for their buck. So I would think that would probably be one of the biggest recommendations that, that might come out of that. And can I ask you, Simon, uh, you, you know, we've obviously covered tourism you know, and hospitality, which is your background. Um, can I ask you about your party association? Why did you decide to team up with others in the Guernsey party? Well, you know, I've got a group of friends there that um, I've known a little while now. Others I've just met and, and respect. Um, so it's important you get to know people and their values and then tap into their different experiences. So if you look at our party, what have we got? We've got financiers there. We've got lawyers there. You know, we've got marketeers. We've got ex-chairman of conservative parties. We've, we've, we've got a very... We've, you know, Clive McMinn there. We've got a very wide um, and eclectic taste of uh, people in there. All very, very like-minded. All want to see Guernsey get going. So I thought reaching 31,000 people on my own and paddling my own canoe just as a, a single person might be a bit of a tall order for an island-wide election. And I'm very pleased which I've, that I've met these people had the opportunity to discuss and format our manifestos, and it's been really, really useful. And I have to say, you know, eight or nine people there, they, they could be absolutely invaluable to turning Guernsey's fortunes around in a positive way. So, you know, I've got every faith in each and every one of them, really. They're superb candidates, and I think the idea to move the island to an island-wide election has been a very positive one because I believe it's brought out these high-caliber candidates. That's not to say the other 80 or 90 people that are going to be standing have not got good ideas. There's some, some very good people there that simply didn't want to be in groups. But, you know, once, once we're in the States, we're going to have to get used to being on committees and being part of a group of 38 people. So I thought it was a good time to open a talk shop, really, and, and start discussing matters, how we can improve things, how we can make a difference, how can we use our experiences to for, forward the benefit of the island. And can I just ask you about that grouping? I mean, undoubtedly, as you say, people with lots of experience from different sectors, from law, from finance, yourself, from hospitality. If I'm a, a young voter, perhaps I'm worried about finding a job, and I look at that group of individuals who are, let's be honest, of a certain age, of a certain background, are they going to be able to relate to me, you know, finding a job or worrying about getting on the housing ladder? What, what would you say to someone in, in someone who comes from a very different background to, to the makeup of the Guernsey party? 
well, I think age is just a number, really, you know. So I'd be very used to talking uh, to young people. You know, like I said, I've got plenty of grandchildren and my own children. So I'm, I'm fully aware of the, the challenges that people have of finding somewhere to live once they move out of home and a way to do it. So, yeah, our, our group are also passionate about uh, providing housing on the island and affordable housing to them and of course with their business experience you know who's who's going to be better experienced at providing providing that for the youngsters so they see alternatives which perhaps haven't been seen in the past how do you help young people get on the housing ladder well i think you've got to provide full employment to the island so it goes back to having a, a booming economy we want well-paid jobs out there and we want to provide property, flats, rentals at affordable prices, really. And then you don't really want to tax people out of existence either. So if you've got perhaps people on sub £40,000 income per year, perhaps when we get this economy going, we can't do it day one, but when we get this economy, you know, two, three years down the line, when we get it all singing, perhaps we can look at reducing tax rates maybe even to 15%. Do you want to uh, make the population management scheme more flexible? You want the ability to bring in people from outside the island, particularly teachers. Um, Does bringing in external people into roles within the island um, really help the young people thrive? Yes, it does. It helps um, young people by having the best nurses, the best doctors to look after them the best teachers to teach their children and generally, you know, a, a welcome to professionals that are hardworking and wishing to relocate to Guernsey, settle down and uh, not be told after three years that they've got to go or after five years. This law was brought in before the UK decided they were going to do a Brexit. It was brought in before we had covid so we've got those two huge things, and they are absolutely huge. We've got those two huge things to deal with. It was designed probably 15 years ago, and when it came to the States, it was already 10 years out of date. It was then subject to what I've called death by a thousand cuts, 40 amendments, and at the end of it, it wasn't quite fit for purpose. Now, we do. I'm not saying we need an open-door policy. I'm not saying... Anyone can come to Guernsey. But we we do need to encourage decent professionals that they have a future here in Guernsey. So I want to see for our children us being able to attract the best teachers and keep them. I want to see us attracting the best nurses and keep them, doctors, so on and so forth. So, you know, that's very, very important to all islanders, really. Simon Vermeulen, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Simon Vermeulen there. We have approached Ulrini to put some of the concerns Mr Vermeulen has about running the airline to them. Uh, They told us they declined to respond. Up next, let's hear from Dr Chris Pitch on those answers from candidates about which holiday destination they'd be and why. Okay, so we've got Dr. Chris Pitch with us again. Can I call you the pod's resident uh, professor? 
would that be yeah i've been called worse than that so you can call <laughs> me that yes please do um, and we've got you along because uh we asked some questions of candidates um i asked them which holiday destination they'd be and why and this was actually something you suggested us uh, the sort of type of question to ask politicians what's the sort of thinking behind asking these kind of questions yeah, they're called kind of projective techniques and we use them in uh, market research, in recruitment, in education. And they're really kind of um, activities and tools to build rapport, extract deeper insight into uh, individuals, into people, into parties. And they're just fun tools, really. And they can reveal uh, more than standalone questions and answers. So I think just changing the stimulus really kind of brings out more depth and insight into uh, individual characters and, like I said, in, in, and parties. That's really interesting. And, and what other kind of questions would elicit these kind of responses that you're talking about? So again, anything can be used really, but some standard ones are like you've, like you've used holiday destinations, food, sports and um, animals. So in the past, we used them in the 2019 general election and we had uh, obviously Boris um, Johnson, we had um, Jeremy Corbyn and Joe Swinson. So for Boris, we had a British bulldog, bit of a fighter, Classic. bit of a um, mean bite if you uh, got on the wrong side of him. We had uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who was seen a bit of a meerkat. He was uh, quite opportunistic and uh, very scrawny and uh, um, hard to pin down. And uh, <laughs> do you know what we had for Joe Swinson? Any guesses? Well, I, I was thinking <laughs> squirrels because of that weird thing where they made up a story that she had some policy on eradicating squirrels, but I don't think that's going to be right. No, it was a Cheshire cat. She was obviously really, well, she, was, she thought she had the election in the bag. She thought she was going to win the election at one stage and become prime minister. Um, and obviously that wasn't the case. So, yeah, so I think sometimes when you, instead of asking direct questions and you bring in these different stimuli, it really does provide more depth, more insight than, like I say, those standalone questions. OK, well, I uh, I went to along to this independent candidate hustings event. Uh, there were 10 candidates there. Obviously, there are, there are lots of these different events going on around, and this was just a flavour of some of the candidates. But I did ask this question about uh, holiday destinations, and let's see if any of those things came out in any of the answers we got. You ask where and why. I'll start with the why. Um, I, I love food, but I am also a vegetarian. So, you know, countries like France, lovely, great culture, don't understand vegetarian food, so I don't go there very much. So Greece, Turkey, India, Sri Lanka, all of those places that really do good vegetarian food. Um, but like everybody else this year, I've been to Alton and uh, had a great time. The water was a bit colder than some of the places I normally go, but it was still great. I've been to Saar, and the day after the election, I'm going to home for three days. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to leave it by then. That was uh, Deputy Peter Roffey, one of Guernsey's most long-standing politicians. What did you make of his response? I think, you know, he's a great character and uh, he came across as very confident, approachable, engaging. You know, I could see him as this Phileas Fogg character, you know, wanted to embrace all these different cultures and different locations. You know, he comes across as, you know, somebody who respects different cultures as well. Um, and again, I do not know the, uh, the, the deputy, but again, he does come across an in interesting character um, and one that I definitely want to spend time with and have a pint with. What about mentioning mm. that you're a vegetarian? Um, well, that's another thing, actually. Just going thinking back and reflecting on that, he could actually say that he's obviously trying to appeal to uh, different groups of people on the islands, and you know whether it's vegetarians, it's travellers. So you could also say, is he quite indecisive because he couldn't pick a location? That's a question you could ask, and maybe go back to him again and say, well, which one do you really want to go to? If you, or which one would reflect you if you were a destination? Okay, Alt, should we have the next one? Um, I'm the moon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, a, I'm a bit out there. 
and, um, and I'm a future uh, destination, and the future is uh, where I intend to spend the rest of my life, and I'm always looking forward. So that was probably the most concise response, and probably the one that drew the most uh, laughter. What, what did you make of it, Dr. Pitch? Um, well, again, yeah, very uh, clear and concise in a sense, but, you know, it came across as a, like pie in the sky, a bit of a positive dreamer, a big dreamer. Um, apart from that, apart from kind of aiming high and just being a big dreamer, that's all that came across there. I, I, I'd, I'd like to go back to this candidate and maybe ask a, a few follow-up questions to explain why in a bit more detail. But I don't know if you guys thought any more about that yourselves. I thought it was quite clever, but... Hmm. I didn't maybe elicit a great deal about his personal character from the response, as you say. Yeah, it kind of leaves you thinking, um, He did, did he avoid giving a why because he didn't really have a why and, and choosing the moon as the destination was really yeah. uh, purely to get a laugh and, and that was it. You know, there was actually no kind of depth of meaning to it. And so you're wondering, ah. does it reveal anything at all? And it's, safe, and it's a safe option, as you said, there's very few associations with the moon. And that was uh, candidate uh, Martin Roussel, who is also a uh, well. He's not. He stood before. I think he stood previously unsuccessfully at the last election. Um, okay. Uh, next one, please. All. I think holidays are out of the question for us at the moment for the next couple of years. But uh, it'd be France. I love the way of life. I like the bread. There's no one over here can make a decent baguette since Victor Hugo's gone. I, I like. I like the French attitude as well. They'll stand up and fight for what they believe in. But uh, yeah, it'd be France. Okay, so that was uh, another candidate who's, I think, standing for the second time, um, was unsuccessful in 2016, Ross Lebrun. You know, he's quite um, bold to go out there and he didn't mention uh, Guernsey or any kind of local area at all, really. Very much France, love the way of life, love the baguettes. You know, we all love French bread, which is, uh, you know, uh, made me hungry thinking about it when I heard this. And But he did come across as quite confident. You know, he's not scared to be counted and stand up, really proactive and pragmatic. Um, but again, he came across as quite um, relatable. Yeah, I have to disagree, though. Um, there oh. are many places in Guernsey which do a cracking baguette, honestly. Say, really? Really? <laughs> Are we going to have our first fight on, on the podcast, Ross? Well, oh, I, I think I, I, I tended to agree with Ross. I remember they used to do really good ones at Victor Hugo, which which closed, sadly, uh, I don't know when it was, a couple of years ago. But no, I, I... No, where? Tell me, where? Well, I mean, I go to my baguettes for the filling, not for the bread. And so I oh. get I stuff my face with roll bar Hansons and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and baguette. Yeah, I mean, like, I think... <laughs> in terms of getting a good baguette like lunch yeah you can do that but the actual physical baguette itself no i'm I'm with ross on that one that's interesting because again it's telling us a lot about you guys because obviously ollie you were saying more you, it's about the filling so again it's inside that counts whereas rob does it suggest that you like the baguette on the outside you like how things look i'm not you know i'm just here raising <laughs> questions <laughs> maybe that should be the next question to the uh to the you're so shallow about... rob you're so shallow <laughs> i would never say that <laughs> Well, maybe the question should be about baguettes and fillings, favourite sandwiches and why. <laughs> yeah, where, where, do you, where do you get your uh, baguettes? Yeah. Okay, uh, should we have the next one? Or... Uh, thanks, I've got a couple of uh, uh, answers to this question. I mean, sadly, it would be actually Jersey. I think like a lot of those in the community, missing that important sport and sporting link to go over there and give them a good kicking now. There's <laughs> uh, something I'm missing. Um, on a personal note, I, for my 40th, I was going to America. I've never been there. 
sadly all cancelled. Um, but obviously, it, you know, uh, COVID and protecting lives is so much more important. I will roll over my birthday till next year, so I won't be 40 till next year. <laughs> so that was uh, Gary Collins, a former deputy who's uh, seeking, he was voted out in 2016 and seeking re-election again. Okay, so he, is uh, is Gary the David Cameron of uh, Guernsey? You know, when I was listening to his answer there, I could imagine David Cameron giving exactly the same answer uh, back in 2010. Why would you say uh, that? You know, it, came, it comes across as like he loves a bit of competition and competitive rivalry, but again, he respects his local neighbours, quite ambitious, a um, bit cheeky at times, but again... It's all kind of that good competition, that competition is good. And whether that's on a personal level or even on a business level, you know, that raised questions there. And also suggests he's quite, he likes problem solving. And uh, he kind of reached out to the audience by having a, a bit of a joke as well about uh, that kind of rivalry with Jersey. So it was, I think he revealed quite a lot in, uh, in his answer there. Yeah, I, I, uh, he's actually got a sporting background, uh, funnily enough. Ah, so, um, okay. yeah, that kind of makes sense, I guess. And obviously, he's, uh, he wanted to go to America and the New World for his 40th. And, uh, you know, again, is it? I can imagine Cameron saying something like that and being kind of uh, a believer of kind of the free markets. I don't know if that's his kind of ideology. But uh, again, I'd like to kind of uh, go back and ask Gary more questions about this, uh, about his uh, holiday destination. Richard Skipper. Thank you. Um, yes, it's got to be the Bailiwick. I think that we, we've been very, very fortunate with the weather, obviously, um, in the last few months. And uh, so most of us have had the opportunity, if you like, to explore things that maybe we've not done before because we're so busy. I wonder how things will change once we get into the winter months and how people will be able to cope with not. A lot of people do actually go away during the winter months to escape uh, the, the pressures of life. So um, I, I'm guessing there are going to be some people that are, are going to be ready. Um, to, to support our community going forward because I think the winter will be quite tough in our, in our current situation. As far as holiday is concerned, um, I'm quite happy to stay here. Um, I'm from Brighton, I haven't been there for 30 odd years. Um, I do miss bits of it, but I'm as I say, happy to stay and go to and explore um, the Bailiwick a bit more. So, a bit of a mixed bag there. Yeah, um, I had to listen to this one a couple of times. Um, Mr. Ben came to mind. I don't know if you're listeners remember mr ben from the 1970s and 80s that's what just popped into my head when i heard this uh, this uh, extract you know mr ben wanting to go to uh, on adventures in his bowler hat and his suit and uh, i don't know again if it's anything like this character if, does, but it wasn't very controversial at all very safe answer very british talking about the weather you know <laughs> quite a bit in that but again apart from that quite a traditional person but yeah doesn't really want to ruffle any feathers and uh, that's all I kind of got out of that one. But Mr. Ben, I, I think I think what I, I got was um, the fact that he isn't from Guernsey and mm. um, played into his answer a lot more, perhaps, um, where he, he felt the need to p- perhaps kind of over egg the, the local angle and say, you know, I'm happy to stay here. I haven't been to Brighton in ages. I don't, you know, I miss a little bit of it, but the Guernsey Bailiwick, everything here is fantastic. Um, do, do you think that has an influence trying to, because you're not from the island, you're trying to prove that you, you love it still? Absolutely, because it's a bit of a handicap when you're obviously, uh, you're not from the island and you've got to really kind of push your the local credentials, whether that's by uh, that you've lived there for a couple of years or by marriage or by surname. I remember in the past, some of the candidates in previous years, 
really had to uh, push their local credential credentials that they'd married into um, uh, married a Guernsey citizen and that was part of their identity or they'd um, they had a Guernsey sounding surname and uh, they they obviously really kind of pushed that as part of their identity so yeah you could say that he's I suppose he's really pushing the kind of the local side there and again he's He's reading the audience and making sure that he's putting across that he loves the island and uh, that's part of his identity now, I suppose. Funnily enough, so he, he, the candidate is Richard Skipper and he is a he's a pub landlord. And it's interesting what you were saying about the the the, the, the Guernsey surnames because we've got we've got Guy uh, Ollie who's is very Guernsey, and we've got. Mm. My surname Byrne, which is an Irish surname, and I always get from people who don't know me locally when I meet you for the first time, they always assume I'm not from the island, and it's because ah. of my my surname. Yeah, it's you know we found in the past that uh, the previous candidates really kind of had to push their kind of lo- it was part of their identity, and if you know what it was like uh, four years ago where you couldn't really mention policy, you could only mention uh, personal characteristics. Part of that, part of your identity, part of your heritage, was very much part of your uh, your brand um, and if Ollie was running for election maybe we'll do in four years that was a, not be a question we'll ask at the end Deputy Guy can you imagine it can you picture it Rob <laughs> I've, I'm pretty sure you can't <laughs> well, I'll, 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 I'll be we've played a game of true or false and I'll be able to sell you all those policies I made up um, off the hoop, on the hoop <laughs> I'm going to be introducing there. an octopus farm <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be your campaign manager don't worry <laughs> You'll be the leader of the new party in uh, 2024. <laughs> um, right, let's uh, let's go on for, I think this is the last candidate we've got now. I was born in London in 1994. I came to Guernsey. This is my holiday island. Um, since found um, the holiday bailiwick. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, that's that's been, you know, I've lived it. I've lived the life. And I think people this year are starting to know more about it. Tourism rep. I've very much pushed the island hop. It's now called vacation, but it's excellent. But I have my family in the UK and that is where I want to go I want to go and see them that was current deputy Dawn Tyndall um I think uh sort of gave quite a a, an honest and frank answer or certainly appeared to be um telling us a little bit about her uh, personal situation and and how she's been affected by everything that's going on at the moment yeah well you know that this is my holiday island you know she was really open honest from the the outset and you know she's she came across as really like you said passionate quite it's quite an emotional thing for her i think and 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 then she's talked about her family i think that was the first time uh, any of the candidates really kind of talked about the ca- family in detail where she said obviously the fam her family is really important she came across as quite a shirley valentine character that kind of this is my holiday island and she wanted to make that staycation and uh, reality and uh, she just loves the island yeah the yeah. family driven stuff is is it was quite a nice touch actually wasn't it because it, it has that relatability to pretty much anyone listening mm. and if you listen to the last how she said the last bit about the family that family is important to her how she said it is very emotional how she said that as well okay well uh, dr chris pitch thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and we'll have uh, we'll be asking more of these type of questions of candidates so we'll be keen to get your your take on what, what their answers mean um, uh, further on in the podcast thanks for listening our second set of audio manifestos is available for you to listen to you can find it in the same place you found this episode of the guernsey daily and remember the full list of candidates is available on election2020.gg to get in touch with the show find us on twitter at guernsey daily or email the guernsey daily at gmail.com you can also hear us on Guernsey Community Radio, who we're proud to be partnered with. 
Until next time, goodbye. Bye for now.